Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Friday, March 31st. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. A scathing report on the Nova Scotia shootings concludes the RCMP failed the community. We will take the time now to properly digest and understand the recommendations and the conclusions and the opportunities that the Commission has put forward for us to take up. There's no question there need to be changes, and there will be, but we will take the time to get those right. The Liberals face criticism after Dominique Leblanc's sister-in-law is named Interim Ethics Commissioner. The Liberal Prime Minister and his gang of serial lawbreakers were told by the outgoing Ethics Commissioner to take remedial ethics training. But instead of that, at Sunday brunch, this Liberal Cabinet Minister turned to his sister-in-law and said, how about we make you the new Ethics Commissioner instead? But let's start with an announcement that will happen very soon in the House of Commons foyer by Francois-Philippe Champagne, the Industry Minister. Joining us is Bob Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Bob, last night, the government put out a release quite late saying that the industry minister, uh, Francois-Philippe Champagne, is going to have a news conference at 8.30 this morning, which is roughly two hours from now in the foyer before the markets open. And we anticipate it will be about the um, takeover of uh, Shaw by Rogers. Any idea what uh, he might say? Yeah, look, this is a big deal, uh, Julie. Um, the minister is, ex- is expected to approve the transfer of Shaw Communications Freedom Mobile to Pierre P- uh, Pelado's Quebec Corps, and there are going to be some conditions. But if the, with this approval, this will pay the way for uh, Rogers uh, com- Communications' twenty billion dollar takeover of Shaw. Now, apparently, the conditions are they're going to have to have some affordability and accessibility for uh, wireless services conditions and penalties if uh, if either Palado or Rogers do not fulfill the conditions uh, that they have pledged to the government. And those involve uh, uh, Palado's Quebec or reducing wireless uh, services, particularly amongst Freedom mob- Mobile uh, mm-hmm. uh, customers. And then Rogers is committed to spend about $1 billion to roll out high-speed internet uh, connections to rural, remote, and indigenous communities. Now, as you well know, uh, the Competition Bureau has long uh, opposed this. They do yeah. not believe this deal is going to be in um, Canadian customers' um, best interest. Uh, mm-hmm. And they they don't think that in the end that we're going to see our roaming charges or our cell, cellular um, prices is coming down uh-huh. and um, the government is obviously going to say that's not the case and we'll be tough with them, Julie, if they right. don't do this. Yeah. But you and I and every other Canadian who, who <laughs> subscribes to any any of the uh, of TELUS or Bell or Ro- Rogers or or um, or uh, Videodron knows that that's not exactly the case. We always seem to get stiff. So let's hope this one is a different uh, that they'll be different this time around. I'm not hopeful. Right. I mean, as we know, we pay some of the highest cell phone rates in the world, right? So is we, this going to... We are, I think, the highest in the world, right. in the Western so democracies. Make... Right. But it, it's funny, eh? because this deal was uh, announced two years ago, but it's gone through so many hoops. And all the hoops uh, have been about, will this reduce competition, right? And will it will it increase our cell phone rates? So like you say, Francois-Philippe Champagne, I'm sure he will say... 
to all those people out there listening, you know me, I won't let that happen. I'm sure that'll be the line out of his mouth. Now, now just remember, didn't the Liberals promise that they would cut um, cellular uh, rates by 25%? Goodness gracious, I haven't seen that on my bills yet. You Have haven't? You? Oh, my no. God. It's early yet. Well, just look at your, <laughs> it's, at it's, your only, bill. it's only eight years. It's only yeah. eight years. Yeah. yeah. Wait till after this 830 news conference. Things could be different. So, <laughs> um, OK, well, this is something to watch for. As you say, it's a, it's a, a massive takeover. Um, now, let's get on to one of the big stories, certainly uh, this week that happened yesterday. And that was the report on the mass shootings in Nova Scotia. And uh, a massive, massive report, and it called out uh, the RCMP for failing at virtually every level, lack of preparation, lack of communication, lack of leadership. So what is the federal government to make of this? Well, I thought yesterday was very heartbreaking to see the families uh, relive what had happened you know, over two years ago or two and a half years ago. As you know, the RCMP widely criticized for his handling of the, the manhunt. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, this guy impersonated an RCMP officer, was driving around, shooting people left and right. Uh, there was not a pop uh, properly, uh, they did not alert the public uh, mm -hmm. that this guy was loose. There was a long history of this man uh, uh, violently uh, uh, abusing his, his, his living partner. Nothing happened. Neighbors were afraid of him. Uh, and then it was just one stumbling, disorganized um, uh, effort to finally bring this guy down. So the the commission uh, has made sweeping recommendations uh, from everything to make sure that there is better public alerts to reorganizing, seriously reorganizing the RCMP um, to uh, stronger gun control measures, a whole range of issues. One of the things that I didn't realize um, with, and maybe you did, but I didn't realize that our RCMP officers are really not that well trained. They get 26 weeks of training. Um, in they, Regina. Uh, in Regina. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Justice Michael McDonald, the commission head says, look, they should go to the finish model which is yeah. three years of schooling mm -hmm. so that they're properly trained in all aspects of the of the police the other thing is uh the people a lot of people may not be aware but you know there's the federal police force and then there are provincial contracting that are rcmp officers but they're they're not the same level and they they really believe that um, the the contract policing, the provincial, basically the RCMP provincial, provincial police needs to be seriously overhauled. They don't have enough manpower. They're not well trained. They don't have proper equipment. For example, they were not able to get any aircraft or helicopters yeah. during this manhunt. Mm -hmm. uh, and this has been a, a, a longstanding problem. And even, uh, even federal government officials have said, we really need to be able to split off the RCMP so that there is a federal force like the FBI yeah. that handles uh, national security, handles white collar crime, you know, organized crime, uh, cyber crime, all of that's all of that sort of stuff. And that and that the they're, they're basically there are provincial police forces that handle, um, you know, traffic and, and d d domestic disputes and all that sort of stuff that you would expect from a local police force. Um, and, and, you know, what happens in these kind of situations is that uh, when the 
Ottawa, the RCMP headquarters has a problem with uh, the local, say the Halifax, uh, the, the Nova Scotia police. That they will, their commanders out there will say, "Well, we report to the Nova Scotia Attorney General." Yeah. And then, and then when the province has a problem with the local RCMP, they say, "Well, we report to federal headquarters." So it's a real mishmash. And and it's uh, funny because we saw a lot of that mishmash at the shooting on Parliament Hill in 2014, and that was brought up in the report. Um, just that there were so many recommendations that came out of that that could have been used a bit of, as a template. Same with the shootings in Moncton earlier that same year, and um, I guess either they those things were not paid attention to, not known, never filtered down, or whatever. But you know, it's interesting, Bob, because Brenda Lucky, the former commissioner. Uh, she stepped down a month ago, so like she's she's gone, and they have a replacement, Michael Duem. But so here, the organization is pretty rudderless when when it's being advised to do a complete overhaul. Well, I would argue it was rudderless as Brenda Lucky as a commissioner. She was a, one of the weakest commissioners we've ever seen, uh, and that mm-hmm. falls on the Liberal government. Uh, they they chose somebody uh, uh, who had no experience in Ottawa, had no idea how to uh, run a, a headquarters operations, and obviously deal with their political masters. Yeah. Uh, she ran the, the 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 Regina School for uh, for the police. No way way below her uh, level of competence, and uh, but that's she's not responsible for what happened. These are endemic problems with the RCMP that needs to be fixed. Including a very good recommendation is that the RCMP commissioner should should no longer have to report uh, to the uh, political minister uh, because, as you saw, what she did, uh, like shortly after the massacre, she was trying to help the liberals uh, get their gun control legislation through off the backs of dead people. Uh, it was just mm. horrendous. So that's got to end, um, yeah. you know. And but you know, the government. Uh, the prime minister was out there yesterday showing sympathy as he always he's very good at empathy uh, for people in situations like this. But there is no strong commitment that they are actually going to follow through on these kind of recommendations. Now, let's not let's hope we don't have to wait for yet another massacre before mm-hmm. the government actually does something to reform the RCMP and to do more than that. I mean, they're talking about. Uh, a real strategy to deal with intimate uh, partner violence. Partner which violence, is a, exactly. It's a really serious issue. Yeah, uh, that was totally the, overlooked in this or, or ignored, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. If this guy was on the radar uh, of the police for a long time. Yeah. But, you know, he uh, he was a dentist. So, yeah. so uh, they thought, uh, okay, he's a professional. Let's just assume nothing bad's going on here. Or turn a blind eye. So... Um, so, Bob, yeah. So whoever they get to replace uh, Brenda Lucky officially is going to have a big job ahead of them. Um, so uh, they haven't had a very good they haven't had a good track record of, of appointing no. people, as, as we're going to talk about soon. Exactly. Exactly. So. <laughs> OK, so we do have another topic to deal with uh, uh, a little more quickly, I, I guess, because we're almost out of time here. But it is the appointment. Um, so Mario Dion, the ethics commissioner, he re- he retired uh, not too long ago, I guess about a month ago. So they've replaced him. Now, that's the interesting thing. So they replaced him. And I'll let you take it from here, Bob. OK, so <laughs> it's just too much to believe. But so uh, Martine Richard, who is a um, the sister-in-law of 
uh, intergovernmental affairs minister Dominic LeBlanc, who himself, by the way, had had his knuckles wrapped for violating the ethics law. His sister-in-law has been appointed interim director of the ethics commissioner's office. Now, uh, the opposition MPs, all parties, uh, mm-hmm. I say, look, this is completely unacceptable. Uh, you can't have a family member uh, appointed to the all-important job of overseeing the ethics of a government where the outgoing ethics commissioner said, you have made so many ethical transgressions, from, starting from the prime minister, that all cabinet ministers and all parliamentary secretaries, all your staff need training in ethics. Right. And, and how can you have someone who uh, is the sister-in-law of the intergovernmental affairs minister who himself has violated the ethics act be in charge of that? Now, in Do fairness, you think he'll be able to skip his remedial training? <laughs> she, well, apparently there's a blind uh, trust uh, or a blind wall. A screen. Or they call, call it a screen. screen yeah. Set up for her. But, you know, look, I, I don't want to take away yeah. uh, from this uh, from Miss Richard's uh, competence or integrity. No, because she's, she's in, in she's at the commission and she's she's, she's she's been there for 10 years. Yes. I mean, she's not yeah. some newbie. They just pulled out of somewhere. She just happens to, you know, be related to someone. But, per, but perception is everything. Uh, you know, when you're when you're having somebody who's going to be uh, overseeing the ethical conduct of cabinet ministers and parliamentarians, it has to be somebody who is not related to anybody mm-hmm. who is squeaky clean. It's mm-hmm. the same thing that Trudeau did with the appointment of uh, David Johnson as a special rapporteur mm-hmm. on the China interference. He's an old family friend. He sits on the Pierre Elliott Trudeau Foundation. I mean, it's just not acceptable, even though both people. Uh, have a lot of integrity and will do their job, I'm sure, really, really fine. It's the perception of that. And and that's really important in these kind of jobs. And again, they failed. Yeah. And I don't think the opposition is going to let it drop because it's all parties, like the Conservatives, the Bloc, the NDP. It's not just a, a, a Pierre Parliev pet project here. They're all saying this is not on. So that'll be interesting to see how they handle that. Bob, it's been great to talk to you. And uh, I guess I'll see you after the Easter break. Okay. Nice talking. Bye. Have a great day. That's Bob Fife, Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Globe and Mail. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Globe and Mail, Robert Rotberg argues international intervention is needed in Haiti. He writes, as a geopolitical problem, it ranks below the war in Ukraine, the internal conflict in Myanmar, and China's threats to Taiwan but no nation has collapsed so completely as Haiti. It has always been the most perilously poor, abused, dangerously corrupt failed state in the Western Hemisphere, but now it has no real government. Its 12 million people are frantically insecure and thousands of migrants flee daily. Something must be done and Canada should help. The responsibility to protect, a principle established by Canada and later adopted by the United Nations, means that Haiti's plight demands external assistance. Haiti will fall deeper into the inner circles of hell if the UN and North Americans fail to respond to the hemisphere's most urgent security issue. At Policy Options, Myrna Dawson argues gender equal cabinets have done little so far for women and girls living with male violence. She writes, self-congratulations were on display in our House of Commons last week, as U.S. President Joe Biden praised himself and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for the fact that the U.S. and Canada have gender equal cabinets. 
But regardless of one's political affiliation, it is not clear what these so-called gender equal cabinets have actually done for women and girls. The ongoing pandemic and its fallout have deepened poverty for women and those they care for, making them even more reliant on men and the patriarchal institutions that created and sustained the historical and contemporary inequitable conditions in which women and girls lived pre-COVID-19. So yes, President Biden and Prime Minister Trudeau, we do have gender equal cabinets, but can you please be more specific about what this means for the everyday lives of women and girls? Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will be joined by Intergovernmental Affairs Minister Dominique Leblanc and Jeanette Petitpas-Taylor to meet with dental hygienist students and patients in Moncton, New Brunswick, where he will make a dental care announcement. He will also visit a healthcare research institute before heading to Dieppe, New Brunswick, to take part in a town hall with local families. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will hold a roundtable discussion with healthcare workers in Vancouver before speaking with the media about healthcare investments in the budget. And several ministers will be speaking about the budget throughout the country today including International Trade Minister Mary Ng in Atlantic Canada, Minister of Families Karina Gould in Winnipeg, Minister of Seniors Camille Kara in the Niagara region, and Rural Economic Development Minister Goody Hutchings in Sydney, Nova Scotia. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, March 31st. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns Monday, April 17th, after the Easter break. Have a great weekend.